0: Welcome to the Integrate and Ignite podcast. I'm your host, Lori Jones. On this episode, we are going to take a deep dive into the success factors behind scaling a business while maintaining a mindful approach to positioning the core values of a brand. My guest, May Lilly, has worked for many years in the field of international PR for resorts in Australia and now here in the U.S. as CMO of Under Canvas, an outdoor hospitality company tune in and learn about the value of marketing, the importance of understanding customer behavior and creating emotive experiences that promote brand loyalty and positive guest experiences. Welcome to the Integrate and Ignite podcast. I am so excited to have May Lily with us today. Welcome to the show.
1: Thanks, Laurie. Great to see you.
0: Oh, it's so good to see you again. I tell you, you are an amazing marketing leader working with some of the largest brands in the country and dare I say international brands as well. Tell us more about your story.
1: So um, don't be fooled by my accent. I'm, I live in Denver, Colorado, but I'm originally from Australia. Um, I grew up as a passionate skier and traveler and that led me to Colorado where I actually came over as a ski instructor. I skied in Colorado as a a child with my family, completely fell in love with it and then when I had the opportunity I went to the University of Melbourne, was a psychology major with some minors in um, uh, business analytics uh, and marketing and then I was quite young. I was 20 when I graduated university. And so I thought, I'm just going to go over to Vale and um, be a kid's ski instructor, which I loved. I just reached out to the ski school, um, got my own student visa, and then that evolved into a fully fledged career. So after a few years of that and back and forth, I was working in advertising in Australia and uh, working long hours. And then I sort of burn out, come back be a ski bum, come back, come back. (laughs) And then the opportunity came up um, to be in the International Communications Department, which I kind of interestingly manifested, uh, strangely enough. I thought, wouldn't it be wonderful if I could um, apply my educational background and my experience from Australia to my passion for outdoors and skiing? And sure enough, this position came up and it was my absolute dream job which then evolved into a um, more than 10 year career with Val Resorts doing international PR and destination marketing. I launched the Epic Australia Pass in Australia and created Great. that network out there. And then uh, now I'm with Under Canvas, which is the leading outdoor hospitality company in the US. So um, feeling yeah. very fortunate and kind of following my passions through my career.
0: Yeah, I tell you, it's been amazing to follow you, first of all. Um, you have quite a fan base of marketers uh, around the world and uh, me being one of them. Just um, to, to, <laughs> to see and, and watch how you have scaled business um, and how you have really created marketing as a valuation measurement um, as you scaled the business um, is something that we're really gonna dive into today. And talk to us about while you were at Vail Resorts, um, you, you developed this first ever position uh, which is absolutely amazing. And when you are looking at a national footprint and knowing that you wanna you know, move internationally, for them to actually put a marketing position in there shows the de- dedication of the organization to understand the need for it. Um, talk to us about, about those early conversations that you had with Bale Resorts when you were developing this position and the importance they placed on value and scalability as it related to marketing.
1: Yes. I mean, Bell Resorts is an amazing example of, I, you know, I remember when I started, they had five resorts and I I was super excited about the opportunity to go to our one interstate resort, which is, which was Heavenly in uh, South Lake Tahoe at the time. Oh, my sister and I were just
0: talking about Heavenly over the weekend. That's funny.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And so that was the big novelty factor. If you got to you know, we'd always sort of jump around the four uh, Colorado resorts, the existing ones. And then it was the, you know, big deal to bounce out to Heavenly. And now, gosh, they've got upwards of, uh, you know, 37 resorts um, and a footprint in around the world. So it was a really fun time to be with the company. And again, I think the US is such an amazing fertile ground to test products and and brands out right because it's like if it works here you can be pretty certain it's going to work in another region and Australia uh, was very interesting for the company and I remember it was very cool to being it's a very you know Bear Resorts is a huge public company but you can have very meaningful conversations with very smart people and move the needle quite quickly um, once you've built that trust, and it's everything's data driven, obviously, and and um, and tested out um, rigorously, and supported by guest insights. So, we saw an opportunity with Australia, and Perisher. Meanwhile, Perisher Ski Resort was being um, very observant themselves, <clears throat> and beginning to build out a model that would be attractive to. Fair Resorts at the time so they were the first to really dump their season pass in the same way that Fair Resorts completely disrupted the industry by dropping a season pass from you know $2,500 to I think it was $650 when we first launched the Mm -hmm. Epic Pass and so Parish did the same in Australia and so they sort of created the infrastructure and framework to be a desirable um, Mm -hmm. model to integrate but um, Yeah, given I as well, it's there are cultural nuances. And so I was fortunate enough to be put in in this position where I worked with the leadership team in Perisher through the integration, knowing obviously what the strategy was for their resorts centrally, and then trying to apply that, but obviously maintain um, and respect the cultural nuances of of the Australian way and build out a product um, that avoided uh, any arbitrage. So obviously working in a different currency, we had to, it was funny having conversations around, oh, hang on, they're in a different season. So where does the season pass start and finish? Does it start with their winter or our winter? I mean, crazy things that no one thought about. I I even got questions of, does does Australia celebrate Christmas? Is it in summer or winter? (laughs) (laughs) I
0: I was there, I I was a a college athlete and I was in Australia one year over Christmas for a, a big game. And I was in awe over all of the Christmas trees that were photographed in sand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's definitely yeah. a different season no matter what, but yeah, you've got to understand those nuances. You just said something um, that I thought was very interested and you took a price approach with the, the pass. Uh, we call mm-hmm. it epic. Um, that is a, a bunch of different um, ski resorts here um, nationally. Mm-hmm. And, and typically, the strategy is going to be one of uh, two of these things, innovation, price, quality, or or customer um, service on some level. And typically, Great. when we're talking to our customers, it's always about, okay, pick, pick two of those at any given time and make sure that they're differentiating yourself from the competition at that same time as well. It doesn't mean mm-hmm. that you've got to rest on that forever. Um, those strategies can wax and wane, but what we find is people try to be all things to all people. Right. You, I mean, you um, were able to take the team through the process and understanding ultimately that this was going to be a price play um, and it, it was something that uh, really has has grown the whole pass idea um, and loyalty, you know, for many, many years now. Talk us through those conversations that you were having at the board table, at the planning tables um, surrounding you know, what you were going to, you know, the decision-making behind reducing the price so much.
1: Yeah. So it's two-pronged, obviously, because it's price is obviously a driver. And even now, <clears throat> excuse me, you see the introduction of Icon Pass and other products So and they're low price. So there has to be something differentiating, right? right? Because other people can just copy what you do. And then where are you? It has to be supported by an amazing experience, which Fair Resorts was very good at and the best. So they said we want if we're going to do this in Australia, we want the biggest and best resort that's also supported by being having access to the largest MSA, which was Sydney. So again, I liken it a lot to and what I've been able to bring to um as we scale under Canvas and we've just launched a second brand. uh, Sorry, yeah, a loom. Which I've been
0: following by the way and and it's amazing.
1: Yeah, it's It's totally amazing. Yeah, yeah, it's it's very special. But again, in even as we developed that, it all started with the guests. So it has to be very guest centric yeah. and supported by guest data because you can drop price and you know acquire whatever resort for bargain basement prices. But if it's not meaningful to your guest, and it all again, the similar similarities I'd say between the work I was doing at that resorts and then now down Under canvas in a loom is creating a network that's mm-hmm. meaningful to your guests and or then as you scale or expand, identifying a niche that is either applicable to your existing database or brings other people into a fold in a way that you've demonstrated to prove out before. Yeah. So And
0: and and, and you have done that both. And, and really what you did is you uncovered a gap um, right. in the marketplace. And that's what under canvas is all about at this stage and finding a gap Um, with a new brand and developing a new category strategy is one thing, but finding a gap in the market with an existing brand is not always as easy. Um, And especially when you're changing possibly some of the perceptions of people in the marketplace on your loyalists as well. Um, Talk to us. It's, you know, it's not gap marketing, but talk to us about the strategy behind really uncovering those gaps and introducing marketing as a way to
1: fulfill a brand promise. So it definitely starts with um, guest research, right? Yeah. So again, you have to talk to guests. You can have the best ideas in the world and sit around a board table with all sorts of hypotheses. But if it's not interesting or relatable or relevant to um, your existing and prospective consumers, then it's nothing. It doesn't mean right. anything. So again, in terms of this network, you know, I... Australia was an obvious choice initially for for their resorts and a safe one for Epic Australia pass because they knew that Australians were already flying to Vail and Whistler and so it was like if we can connect that dot then you know that's a kind of a no-brainer on top of the product so like you said product price making sure you have the best possible products and so that's what we've done with under canvas too and became an industry leader in that sense that we're very particular about the site selection. So it's a combination a kind of triangulation of where I guess going and we've created this amazing footprint across the national parks in the US, yeah. um, where are they going, where do they want to go so we ask us that too. And these are also um, yeah city slickers for the most part, they're destination guests. So for me, from a marketing perspective, there's also a big brand affinity piece. What are they doing? What are they reading? What are they eating? What do they wear? They're pre- predominantly women uh, from large MSAs who are wearing athleisure wear and, you know, want to wear a cute hat. And so I've we've had a, a lot of fun as a brand marketing team Uh, introducing brands as well that are meaningful, that helps connect that value proposition. And for us as well, introduce um, travelers to the outdoors and maybe dip their toe in a little more adventurous circumstances than they would have before. Because again, we're kind of coming at it from this brand approach where, whether it be across social media, where we're having fun and it's highly visual and, and a really fun, youthful kind of brand voice. Yeah, sure. um, and then the at camp experience which is Lululemon yoga mats and um, you know you can buy Lululemon and sunbum sunscreen and then with a loom this new brand we had an opportunity again based on guest data saying you know we love that you've got pool chain showers on the canvas but maybe it would be nice to free up both hands and be able to wash <laughs> As a woman, free, free up both hands and have a rain shower. So in that, this new luxury resort brand, we have rain shower instead of pool chain. And they said, we love, love that. the quality of food at Under Canvas. Um, but for this new brand, maybe we'd like to have a sit down full restaurant.
0: Yeah, I love it. So, so we have more
1: upscale dining. So yeah, it, it's it's all incredible. I
0: mean, you guys have to go to under undercanvas.com and alum I L U M Is that right? Yeah. yeah
1: uh, it's in-
0: Incredible. It's a whole new way of glamping on so many different levels. But I want to unpack um, you know, the last 60 seconds of what you just said because there's a lot of goodness in this. Mm-hmm. And the first one is the importance of research. The number one reason companies fail. Is lack of belief in research. Not just doing it, they may not go as deep as they need to, or they have too many assumptions going into it that mm-hmm. they don't, you know, revalidate um, those assumptions. What are some of the tips that you have for our listeners today about great ways that they can gain insights through sound research? What is your process? You just talked about the need to talk to customers. There's industry research, there's location research, geography, mm-hmm. all these sort of things. What is your go-to process there?
1: Well, it's been interesting, again, talking about scaling over time because I remember when I started an under canvas and I'd come from Bear resorts, you know, hugely sophisticated a big marketing research team that helped essentially you could have a hypothesis and internally go and ask for something to be proven out uh, and it was amazing and then I moved to under canvas it was very much still in startup mode we were at five I think I just opened the fifth camp and then now we're at 12 locations wow um but it was scrappy you know so there's you can do it in in very easy ways we did it with SurveyMonkey and so again, we had a central customer data platform, we literally, you know, would pull a sample to make sure it was representative of some guests previous and past. So identify, you know, very highly loyal repeat guests through to five year lapse guests to make sure so you can understand. So we'd literally pass it out between um, customers and then prospects. So why are customers coming back or why aren't they coming back? And then why are prospects sitting on our newsletter list and not converting? Right, <laughs> And that's really the objective. And so then, you know, we'd go through as a process of saying, what do we really want to get to? And it is a bit of art and science of saying, yeah. are people going to tap out after 20 questions? What's really critical? What's the order um, you need to motivate people to actually want to do it too. And you can do that through to then. Now we're a little more sophisticated working with third parties To help manage that process and there's always a a little bit of incentive but again at the start we did i think we you know incentivize people with a complimentary one night stay just to make sure that we received enough full surveys to have statistical significance so anyone can do it it's hugely important to just pump the brakes to your point and say yeah it might be a great idea um, but we need to make sure that this will resonate and it's it's very cool. We actually, in a recent town hall, dusted off all of our market research and guest insights that that literally informed the roadmap and brand development of Allume, our latest brand. And it's down to a T. And it feels really good as a group then to say, we know this is going to resonate and quickly yeah. because... We've done what I guess want. So
0: well, well and, and that's my next point is you bring you are the epitome of customer focus. Um, you interview the customers, you determine behaviors, you determine unmet needs, and then mm-hmm. you implement, you know, down to the way water comes out of a shower or the type of right. <laughs> water, you know, you implement something that is so, you know, seemingly unimportant but huge to the customer. I mean, the nuance of all of that is so much fun to really get into and develop. There are a lot of brands out there that just are not people first or customer first. Talk to us. Talk to us. Excuse me. Talk to us about the importance of that.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's hugely important. I I could again go on and on about. I'm a bit data obsessed, so you know, (laughs) you can then append your database. So, like I said before, you can then understand what people are doing and their brand affinity, and and you know things they enjoy but um, I think you notice and our guests really notice when they come to an under canvas camp or an alum resort you can feel it and I know you and I've spoken before about uh, emotive experiences or interactions we've had with brands whether it be you know a luxury fashion label that you've been saving up to purchase and experience or but sort of being, I think it's really important in brand to just be the best in your business, do the best you possibly can and your guests feel that. So yeah, it starts with guest research and then that has to follow through in the guest experience. And yeah, I mean, we are so focused on it every single step through the guest journey. Um, and I'm constantly thinking about how's the guest going to respond to you? Because in any business, you can have friction between you know operational nuances and you've got your finance team pushing you on one end and so it, it's tough but if you lose sight of of what your guest wants then it's it's a it's a slippery slope
0: <laughs> well and and it starts from you know the head of the body down um and, and you mentioned finance if if you've got an executive team that truly operates with guests in mind um and just from the CEO to the CFO to product development, whatever it might be, then ultimately you're gonna have that, you know, that cohesive approach that will help marketing um, implement. And so the mindset of all team members, I think is something very, very important Um, and, and that, that drives the perceived value that we're talking about and scalability. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you, you, you went through scaling with Bail. now you're going through scaling um, a company that was much smaller under Canvas um, with new locations and now a new brand. So mm-hmm. let's pivot our conversation a little bit and talk about developing the, the value in marketing that allows you to scale. And um, we've, we've touched on it, but the first one is really diving into the attributes that are meaningful to the customers and pushing aside the fluff um, that just won't matter. How, I mean, that's not easy because most people want to th- throw everything out and just see what sticks, but when right. you are truly strategic... And you've listened to the customers. You don't need to approach it, and you're gonna, your your at bats are just going to be uh, stronger and better, and and you're going to have home runs out of the shoot. And dare I say, you've done that um, with both these brands.
1: Yeah, it's um uh, like you said, it's there's constantly conflicts between because we, you know, our mission is to inspire connections with extraordinary places, people, and the planet by enhancing access to the outdoors. Just makes you feel good. A lot <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and but there's a lot in that right and, and there then is. there are core values within that so we have what we call our mindful approach which it has all sorts of initiatives be it that we don't have Wi-Fi at under canvas and so this whole disconnecting to reconnect with loved ones and and this immersion in nature is hugely important and it's meaningful to our guests and they're willing to sacrifice you know, what is a, a small inconvenience for this very transformational experience that's not easy, easy to get. And so even with, as we developed a loom, we really spend a lot of time saying, do we want wifi there? Do we not like little things like that of saying, are we moving too far away from our core kind of positioning and value? But that's the beauty of having multiple brands too, because right. you can have some people say, no, this is really going deep and adventurous for me. And that's, and this is our new luxury resort. The fact that they're in a sweet tent that doesn't have brick and mortar walls is an adventure. And we have, you know, low um, bandwidth Wi-Fi from that sweet tent, but then we've got full Wi-Fi from the new, you know, lobby lounge that we don't have in the others. And we've got dipping pools at the new luxury resort and we don't have it under canvas. So you can create these, categories that again still create this stickiness or brand loyalty with with the same group of people by then creating these new brands, which is so fun for me because otherwise if you you lose your way, if you start to evolve too much um, within the one brand, I think. So yeah. Uh, And truly
0: I mean we and we talked about the gap in the marketplace, which is what really drove the strategy category. Uh, mm-hmm. for something that was very unique and different and you're creating the value um i think did you say that you were the fourth or fifth employee is that right
1: uh i was i was the second in denver okay so now we have yeah we have a corporate office of about 100 spread between bozeman and denver okay and then we have seasonal we have an additional probably 500 seasonal um it's amazing employees on top so, of that Yeah.
0: So were you the, the first marketing hire?
1: I was, yeah. Okay. And that was okay. so interesting. That yeah. was so exciting. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, That's right. So that was super exciting to me because again, I could recognize that it was an amazing product. And you and I have often spoken about this, that the best brands are a combination of an incredible product with incredible marketing. Yeah. And I don't think, you know, it's like I have to keep reminding people the whole build it and they will come doesn't work. You have to, you know, support that with, Marketing on top of it to to develop that emotive uh, brand affinity and stickiness that we talk about. I mean, there's there's a few different ways you could do it, and again, you and I have spoken about this before. But it's you know like the OTAs do it via promotional ways with their tenth night free, which is essentially just a tenth percent ten percent discount. Right. We don't do it in a promotional way. Um, Airlines do it with via status. So you know their frequent flyer programs are worth more than the the airlines themselves which is an extraordinary case study in and of itself oh yeah but um yeah we do it
0: you're doing it with customer experience and and quality Mm -hmm. really I mean you are creating something that is so immersive to use a, a term you just just used um that And then that just, that creates referral, that creates repeat business, Um, it creates brand transition um, from Mm -hmm. one brand to the next. Um, I mean, it's just the uniqueness behind it uh, was something that you didn't necessarily bring to the table. The CEO who developed the new strategy category said, this is what it has to be, but you were able to bring that vision to life. What is it like in in that situation?
1: Well, and again, the unlock, and I think what I learned at Bell Resorts and was able to bring to Under Canvas was this network or portfolio effect. So we're now creating amazing um, road trip based itineraries, again, for destination markets where we talk about the Grand Circle road trip. So now we have five camps between some of the most iconic national parks and outdoor landscapes in the country. So Zion, to Moab, to Grand Canyon, to Bryce Canyon, to Lake it's Powell. Incredible. I mean, amazing destinations. And no one else is doing that right now where you, because historically as well, and this is why we've we thrived initially in, and under the founding partners, they had this incredible vision, which would then we've been able to roll with, is that historically a lot of these um, national parks within the entrances to the national parks are very small, old, um, underdeveloped motels, right uh, And so as the, the national parks have been attracting guests from more affluent markets and f- you know further flung places, people just want something more comfortable. but again, we've kind of been able to bridge comfort in nature with more hotel style amenities. Um, and so then again, our, our guests know. And our prospective guests know that we do it better than anyone else. So again, we, we have laser focus on even if we want to go into a market, if we can't find the best possible site with amazing views, we don't do it. Yeah. So it's this combination, again, of guest insights to inform where we're going. Um, and again, that's, that was a kind of Val um, Resorts learning too, to say, okay, Chicago is a top market. Where do people from Chicago want to go? Well, that's where we'll be. And so again, it's the same as me building out Epic Australia Pass, saying, okay, we know that Australians are already skiing out west in Canada and the US. So essentially, let's acquire this database of Australian skiers and then push them out to our resorts rather than them Mm -hmm. going to competitors within the same region. So um, yeah, it's really fun doing it at scale and moving into these beautiful locations that it's, we know i get super excited about every new location announcement because i know how excited i guess uh particularly if i already know they want to be there <laughs>
0: yeah well and, and you and i both and we were talking yeah. about this at easter uh and one of our sons just travels the world he's an incredible you know just nature outdoorsman real gutsy in the things that he does and um, I was talking to him about uh, under canvas. He said, oh, that would be such a nice reprieve for me.
1: <laughs> yeah. Compared to
0: what he's doing. So he's going to take a look at it. You're starting with under, under canvas. You're one of the first, uh, uh, you know, employees uh, or you know, early on. Are mm-hmm. there any surprises for you um, that you thought, okay, I might need to change mindset or I need to change my own because this company is so much smaller than working oh, with yeah. a large enterprise.
1: So many, and it's, it's made me a better marketer and leader. And I would say person, honestly, because the discipline that, I mean, coming again from Bear Resorts where there's so much structure and you know, there was still some w- wavy moments here and there, like in any, any business, but you had so much support and subject matter experts. And I remember even working there thinking, I'm becoming so niche in my field. Like I, I could do international marketing PR all day, but am I getting too narrow? And so it was really nice coming to under Canvas. And, you know, I said I the recruiter had told me that they'd never had an in-house marketer. And again, I was like, this product's amazing. Imagine if I could just bring some sophistication and data-driven application to what has been kind of a fast and furious entrepreneurial um, process. And so it was really fun establishing, kind of bringing in the platforms that I knew would help support growth. And every day, I mean, talking about scaling, I take great pride in the value that I am able to bring and across departments too, in that sense of saying, okay, this might be a good platform today at 10 camps. Is this going to last the test of time? In five years, if we're at 25 camps, Is this going to be as effective? And so it's a good litmus test, I think, for people who haven't worked at a company and grown and scaled very quickly the way that um, uh, we were sort of churning out press releases every other day with a new acquisition and had to integrate different teams in. Um, And I'm also passionate about the business side too of maintaining economies of scale. So if there's a way to do it in a centralized fashion, I mean, I remember when I started, there were, social handles for every location. And I was like, there is no way we're going to keep up with this. We need to build you... equity in the one brand right? and then differentiate these amazing locations in different ways. But it can't be through, you know, building out 10, 15, 20 marketing teams. It has to be done in a strategic, centralized way. And so that's how we're doing it. Um, very thoughtfully, uh, I would say. So it's, but yeah, I mean, every day, I, it's, it's let me kind of loosen my grip a little bit too. There are days where, and we're working in outdoor places where there's weather impact and all these things that are so out of your control, but their resorts was the same. And so they created things like the Epic Pass to mitigate the impacts of weather. So again, that's something I've been able to bring across there. Okay, this is what we can control. This is what we can not kind of fixed and variable. So how do we merge the two together to be successful um, and make the most of, you know, the environments where we're working and playing in? So, you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's fun.
0: It's a very astute mindset too. Uh, I, I just want to stay on weather for a minute and it's adaptability, right? It's And it's how you create value um, with a, a weather incident. And most brands mm-hmm. don't think about that. Uh, we had a retail client for ten years that we helped uh, grow the footprint of um, a national uh, tire store, Big O mm-hmm. Tires, and uh, we introduced w- weather triggers. So when there was a weather event um, during the fall, and that's when they sell, you know, the bulk of their tires, we provided everyone a free top off on their windshield wiper fluid to get them into the store, <laughs> um, and you know, to to just let us look at the tires to see if they needed something. So thinking about that from a strategy standpoint, it doesn't matter what brand, but when you reverse engineer what could happen, what could impact sales on any given day, um, mm-hmm. you know, it could be an electrical outage, it could be a tornado, it could be whatever it is, what is the, the response that you want to have in the marketplace? What is the planning involved in that in order to react?
1: Right. Well, and actually, it's interesting you say that we have a core competency at Under Canvas that we, um, essentially made up called adapt agility.
0: (laughs) I love it. We are in marketing. We can make up words all the (laughs) time. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So it's patented. Um, so, but yeah, that's really what we're about. And the teams are so great, you know, out in the elements, whether it's hot or cold or the most perfect 70 degree day, they're embracing it. And so I guess do too. And Uh, yeah it keeps us on our toes for sure and that's the one thing we can't control I mean look at the weather this year it's crazy and it's going to keep evolving but that will also evolve our process you know this new luxury resort brand that we've launched to loom has a lobby lounge that's a permanent structure as opposed to our previous um, lobby tents which is all canvas so it's got uh, heating and cooling air conditioning and and it's a fixed structure with beautiful floor-to-ceiling glass that has bifold doors so again it's bringing the outside in but in a more controlled way and it will continue to evolve so yeah um, that's amazing it's just another creative challenge which I love I mean yeah we just you know maintain relevance and
0: it's why we love marketing. It is the creative challenge, and it's not just the messaging that goes out and the imagery that follows it and the methodology. It is everything that backs up the product. Um, mm-hmm. And when you can, you know, you talked about product marketing and and product mix at um, at the the resorts. I mean, that's such a big part of marketing um, that I don't think a lot of people consider. You built a team. Uh, you've got an incredible team uh, at Under Canvas now. What were the steps? What was your own roadmap to building your marketing department?
1: Yeah, it's interesting because even when I started, I thought that. I mean, I remember my um, manager at the time saying, What would your ideal team be? And I'm like, Just let me immerse and work out where I'm spending my time. And uh, I, you know, I'm very bullish. We've spoken about before about PR, I spend a lot of my time working with PR because I have to consider my internal age, internal resources and then external. So we have um, an internal team where I had to consider, okay, because agencies can take a lot of time to manage as well. You need a strategist Mm -hmm. to manage and be an extension of the team. And you want an agency that's an extension of the team. So it's definitely a balance of both. You can't consider one without the other, I don't think. And I love having third-party resources. I don't want to overbuild our internal team because I love having agencies that bring a fresh perspective that have their finger on the pulse when we're heads down in our own business and they can bring um, just a wealth of either benchmark KPI data in terms of how we're, um, you know, faring against the industry or more broadly. Uh, And then, so yeah, it's a mixture of both. So it really just, For me, it started with, okay, where am I spending my time? And so where do I, in order to make sure that I'm still strategic and out of the weeds? And so it slowly, Mm -hmm. literally was one by one, very disciplined over five years of kind of adding one body a year, (laughs) literally. (laughs) And then our resources would flex um, externally. So we have a lot of external agency and freelance resource. And that has changed a lot over time because I also think you need to keep it fresh, and bring in different ideas. And then business priorities shift too. So yeah, we're very cool. focused at the moment on SEO strategy as an example. So, um, but two years ago, that was different. So yeah, it's it's fun to to kind of flex um, internally and externally in that way.
0: Well, and, and having the astute mindset in, to, to recognize when a flex or a pivot is needed, um, but also that mindset that brings you to the point of okay, you know, do can we manage this in house or do we need an outside perspective to help us maybe see you know the trees through the forest, um, right. which I think is a real value that agencies provide brands.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. I it's been interesting too as we grow the team because it's actually hard at a startup level because you might you know say get one person. And you want them to do a million things. I mean, I remember writing some job descriptions where I'm like, this is a real unicorn position. (laughs) Like, I don't know that this person exists because they need to literally wear 20 hats. Um, And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And I actually think it's personality-based, particularly for a startup to medium-sized company. I've almost flexed the role and the job responsibilities based on the skill set of the person in the end and then supplemented gaps in other ways rather than shoving... Kind of a square peg into a round hole with someone who may not have exactly the right skills, but brings value in other areas. So it's definitely morphed, and we've changed, we've changed roles um, a number of times to kind of support that. Where mm-hmm. it's uh, again, you want everyone to be doing um, or leaning into the best work that they can be doing, um, their core competencies, as opposed to sort of trying something that's not really working. So,
0: well, and I think that's a testament to the strong culture um, that the company has, but also the culture that you've built within the marketing team um, because adaptability is so important. Right. And, and there's so much newness in marketing day in and day out. I mean, look at AI and what that's doing right now. Oh, um, Oh my gosh.
1: Well, it's, I don't know what's going on over at Meta, but it is. Oh <laughs> so
0: my gosh. I know. I mean, We are studying it constantly um, to try to not just understand, but try to get ahead of what we can do with AI to impact um, and maintain the strength of the need um, for a strong output from a strategy standpoint, right? That's the one thing that AI is not, they're not going to be able to write strategic ethos, um, regarding, you know, what the right direction is because there's too much insight and, and needed differentiation. And that's going to, to play in there, but it is something, um, I think that is really going to change, you
1: know, a lot of go-to market strategies. I know. I mean, I'm, we're staring at it in the face right now. And yeah. it's funny every day we're getting ads rejected because, uh, these bots think that we're selling real estate because we've got furniture and that. I mean, it's, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, and then it is crazy. They've kind of, they've gotten rid of a lot of their customer service team, which is a shame. So hopefully they catch up quickly, Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's going to be an interesting learning curve, but yeah. uh, you know, we were talking about this as well within a, a meeting recently about even social media being um, strategic communications And I, again, being as bullish as I am about PR and the importance of it, um, that tone of voice, I mean, I don't know, I think it's going to be really interesting to see. Never say never, right? Like I'm not, I think AI has a long way to go and can be incredibly powerful if it's harnessed in the right way, but I still think that there are certain, again, coming back to being guest-centric, I don't know that bots can really be in the heads of humans all the time.
0: <laughs> I totally agree. I you know it's um if if we take a look at just the you know the study of technology and what it did very early on um and the naysayers and, and it's created efficiency, right? And mm-hmm. it's created speed of work, and it's um allowed us to um, you know to uh, you know think differently. And that's how I look at AI as well. It's going to help us think a little differently, um, but it's never going to erase the team, the need um, for the strong intellect uh, to make decisions and develop strategies, and um, you know, and and core competencies of
1: what you're going to need to implement. Well, and just relationships, right? Like yeah. I think about good point. Yeah, my career and the importance of developing relationships and even during these last couple of years where we're so accustomed to zoom I don't think that you can uh, I think it's dangerous to underestimate the importance of face-to-face in-person relationships right I mean again particularly in PR and brand and and uh, yeah, I mean, I'd be nowhere without the networking and relationships and things I've learned from people and um, just even EQ, the way I've learned through emotional regulation and and coming through different leadership roles. Yeah, I just, wow. we're still people that need engagement and touch and human Agreed. connection and that and you, won't change. And if it does and, change, that's scary too. And,
0: and you've got a product that is immersive, that's very, very difficult for a writer to write about if they don't experience it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's done day in and day out, but I'm sure, you know, some of the media strategies, PR strategies that you deploy, um, you know, having, you know, a camera on site um, from a publication is very, very important instead of providing the publication percent. I
1: mean, we even say this to our OTA partners at Expedia or Booking.com or Tablet we just spoke to yesterday and or anyone, firstly, I'm always wanting media to come out because it is so emotive. There's no way people can write to what we do and it is so unique um, and niche that everyone does. And so we're fortunate to get a lot of amazing PR coverage from not everyone can come to our locations, but I will always invite anyone to come and experience it, to truly understand, again, that emotive transformational experience where, I mean, there's, you know, we've seen guests from Japan break down in tears because they've seen the stars for the first time. I mean, that's just uh-huh. something that we take for granted. We uh, we We don't live, we live in Colorado where we don't have that kind of light pollution or, you know, sometimes <laughs> New York guests, we have to provide a white machine because they're used to traffic. It's so still. <laughs> so I love just, it. Yeah, but everyone leaves a little bit different. And so... That's what's so amazing and and, and our job as marketers to say, don't, you know, we can tell you about it and we can promise it to be true, but come and experience it for yourself because yeah. I promise it'll exceed your expectations.
0: Well, definitely where I, you know, I love just you, you, are magnetic right now, the excitement um, and the passion that you have for the brand that you're working on um, is something that I think a lot of people can, can learn from. And it's very, very um, you know important to be doing something that you love day in and day out. And you can just see um, in, in how you're talking about the brand and um, what's next for the brand and the science behind it, how important mm-hmm. it is to,
1: to enjoy that um, day in and day out. Well, I didn't always do that actually that's been a learning in and of itself I in my again in my early 20s when I was working in advertising I worked for an ad agency and I was on the Kmart account for Australia and New Zealand and I was leading all of their broadcast and (laughs) I was like I don't want to sell two for one towel packs. I'm not (laughs) passionate about, I I don't, I don't engage with the brand. I don't. And I was working very long hours and managing up to, you know, 200 different versions of TVCs at any one time. And that was my unlock. I was like, I want to do what I love. And so many people, you know, my friends, even who follow me on Instagram, like, do you ever work just because my life looks so fun and I'm always somewhere interesting and outdoorsy and sharing my passion for these things and it's like yeah I work really hard every day but what I'm doing is so amazing and I've built my career and my life in that way and you can do it too you know that's why I'm always preaching to people you don't have to do something everyone should follow their passions because you really can merge the two
0: Well, everyone should aspire to be just like you, (laughs) (laughs) May-Lily.
1: Well, I don't know about Um, that.
0: but (laughs) uh, Well, I tell you, I've enjoyed our discussion so much today. You truly are an inspiration. To me, you're a person to watch. Um, You are just a real iconic marketing leader. And we thank you so much for the insights that you've shared with us
1: today. Thank you. Enjoy the chat as always.
0: This episode is complete. Head over to avicetcommunications.com for more ways to scale and grow your business. And be sure to tune in regularly for insights and motivation with host Lori Jones and her guests on the Integrate and Ignite Marketing Podcast.